Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Focus Radio. This is your host, Liz Urum, and I am joined today by my co-host, Alyssa Granland. And we are excited to have you join us and listen in uh, today to the Focus Radio. Just a quick reminder of how you can find us. Go to thefocusradio.com. Check out our website. You can check out all of our previous podcasts. At the click of a button, you can listen to the exact message that you need to hear. Also focus uh, on. Uh, also focus. Oh my goodness, I'm focused, Alyssa. <laughs> I have, I have focus on the You're brain. And <laughs> <laughs> so uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at The Focus Radio. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So it is a Monday. Love Mondays. I do like Mondays a lot. Do you like Mondays, Alyssa? Yeah, it's my favorite day. I love it. Yep. I love Start of the, appointments on Mondays. Mm-hmm. Yep. Start of a new week. And lots of uh, lots of things to be grateful for and optimistic for, and I think that's fun. So today's guest, we'll bring her on in just a moment or two, is Deb Hart, and Deb is a breast cancer survivor, and we're going to hear about her story. She has a really interesting story, a really heartwarming and inspirational story about going through grief and uh, surviving breast cancer. But Alyssa, I was going to ask you, do you have any, like, have you been touched by breast cancer at all as far as anyone in your family or anything like that? No. Nope. Uh, not, I have not. Well, actually, you know what? Not my family. But one of my good friends has had it twice. Um, and uh, But she is, she's good, you know. And another friend, a uh, friend of mine's wife um, just was diagnosed, but she's okay, too. And, I mean, it's, yeah, I do know quite a few people, but it has never been, like, somebody right in my family. So I haven't been that um, close to it, I guess. How about but, you? Yes. Well, my mother had it. She's all oh. recovered now. She had it several years ago. She had um, some aggressive form of it, but they were able to treat it and uh, take care of it. She did end up having a mastectomy, but... Uh, she had that, and she's doing just fine now. It's amazing what, uh, you know, with medical advancements and technology, what they're able to do, and I think the survival rate is probably a bit higher nowadays than it used to be, so that is good news for everyone. So October is mm-hmm. Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so this is a, going to be right. good. So let's go, ahead and, let's go ahead and bring Deb on. Hi, Deb. All right. Hi there. Well, hi. Welcome to The Focus. We're very excited to have you here today. Let me just tell our our audience just a little bit about you. So you are the author of Tug at My Heart, Pink is the New Black. Do you have another book besides that, or is that your only book right now? No, that's my only book, and I believe that will probably be the only book. I've been encouraged many times to write other books, but, boy, writing a book for me was real painful. It was opening up some journals that had been mm. closed shut for a while. So I think one one time of of going through the book uh, journals will be enough for me. <laughs> yeah, well, I can, I can understand that. So Deb is a leader in the grief and breast cancer community in Portland, Oregon, is where she 
comes from, and you have a really interesting and really inspirational story. And we, we and I had a, you and I had a chance to get to know each other and talk a little bit about a month or two ago. And uh, your your story is just uh, quite inspirational. So why don't you just dive in a little bit and tell us how you got started with what you're doing today? You um, have the um, you host these breast cancer retreats, uh, but how did this all come about? Well, in 2006, August 2nd, I lost my son, Casey, and he was 22 years old, and he was the youngest child ever to receive a Coast Guard license for a tugboat captain. And we were in the tugboat industry, and he'd been groomed all of his life and had been so successful at uh, becoming a tugboat captain. And he could have went to work for his dad, but he chose to go to work uh, for Manson Construction, the largest navigation company in the United States. And he was a hunter and a fisherman, and he wanted to go to Anchorage, Alaska. So off he went to Anchorage, and he was only there just 15 days, and they found him dead on the boat. And two autopsies and stacks and stacks of OSHA, Corps of Engineers, State of Alaska, um proved that Casey died no apparent reason. And we'll never know what happened to Casey. We also hired five investigators, private, that uh, knew nothing about the situation and looked into it. And uh, it's kind of like those kids that run up and down the court and all of a sudden they just drop dead. Their heart gives mm-hmm. out no apparent reason. So with mm-hmm. that loss, huge, huge wave of grief, Um, Mm -hmm. a mom who did not know how she would ever, ever, ever go on. Seven months later, I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. So I was kind of pushed through the system because I had it in my mind that hope did not exist or fight for your life did not exist. Really and truly, what did exist is I thought this was the end of my life, and I thought I didn't need to go any farther. I just needed to be with Casey. I was a bad patient, a hard patient to treat because I was not very hopeful and not very uh, insightful of, of what next. I had no idea what could be next for me and floundered um, with a lot of grief. I had both my breasts removed, and I had 24 rounds of chemo Mm -hmm. and had my breast implant uh, prosthetics put in. And there was a lot of problems with that and a lot of infections. And it was just a real tough time in my life, and I went through that for about two years. And then I floundered. I, uh, I can actually say that I probably ran a lot of my friends off by being that negative, grief-filled mom who just would say to a lot of my friends, you don't get it, you just don't get it. Mm-hmm. And then when I was dealing with breast cancer, I knew I did, didn't have friends that would get it either because I'd run them all off. And after about staying in grief for about six and a half years, I went on a trip to Greece with nine other moms who had also lost a child. And this trip was, uh, it was just a turning point for me. And I knew then when I came home, so validated for the loss of Casey, knowing, yep, no more hugs, yep, 
no more kisses, yep, no more phone calls or texts. But what I did know that I had to take the grief and the negative off myself and bring in some positive and inspiration. And so that is when the retreats up at Pine Hollow Reservoir were bo- it was born. We bought a house. It's a big house. It sleeps 16, and I say it has the seven or eight-butt kitchen because it does. And it's on a lake, and we do uh, six retreats a year, and about 60 women get to benefit from that. That's a free retreat. Pink Sisters, the nonprofit that I have, we fundraise all year long with a big gala event with a live band. We have a golf tournament. We have a calendar photo shoot for breast cancer survivors that we do. And that's the way that we create money to be able to allow women to come up to our retreats and teach them not to survive it, but really learn to thrive after it. We do some yoga sometimes. We do jewelry making. We do hiking. We do massage. We have um, done the Deschutes River rafting. We do all kinds of things, and they can be customized to whatever group is, is wanting to attend one of our retreats. Wow, and that so that is now that's all a uh, nonprofit that you're running in. And what so what? I mean, what was really behind that and prompted you to do that? Was it this sense of so your own story of feeling alone and isolated and pushing people away? Was it really yes. to bring bring that a group together so people who understand, who have got that compassion, who've got the empathy, who've all been there in the same place? Exactly. And I knew I could not have it be all about me anymore. I had Mm -hmm. stayed in that really, really bad, dark place for way too long. And, you know, grief is very, uh, it's really individual. And I'll tell you one thing that I learned from counseling that um, there's a lot of different forms of grief. But grief for a mom is the deepest love that we have, and that's for our child. There's no other grief like it, Mm -hmm. not for a spouse or a mother or a father or a pet or a friend. But the deepest love is bearing your own child and losing your own child at a young age. And I had to take it off of me and figure out ways to heal And truly and honestly, every time I get to share my story, and I do a lot of speaking and would love to do more speaking, I truly heal just a tiny bit more. And helping other moms who've lost a child, we do those retreats too. Those are not funded through Pink Sisters. Those are separate but helping women who've gone through breast cancer and facilitating a workshop up at the lake, again, really does heal me. And it's all about healing me, taking it off of me, and helping other women, coming alongside them and helping them. Yeah, so this idea that you you put out there, so you can't make it all about you, Um you know, you had to get you had to get out of yourself basically and start focusing yes. on other people. Um yes. and why why was that so important to stop 
because we think, especially when we're in a time of grief or we've got that heartache, we're facing some really big adversity like cancer, just something really overwhelming like that, popular notion is that, you know, it's all about us and we should just think about our, ourselves. What did you find out that was difficult about that? Or how was that How was that actually negative for you? Well, for me, it's one thing to go through breast cancer and do a journey of one or two, maybe three years of a of, of breast cancer journey. But with grief and breast cancer on top of it, it was such a deep amount of grief, grief of loss of my health, grief of my breast, grief mm-hmm. of losing a lot of friends, and grief of Casey. It was so many layers that it brought me down so deep and dark, and I stayed there. I mean, for seven, seven and a half years. Mm-hmm. And and I had to figure out a way to get out of it. I didn't know what else, how it was going to, how I was going to really get out of it. And for me, it's about helping other people. Not for everyone would that work, but for me, it really, truly is about doing the outreach that I do one-on-one with breast cancer survivors and, and, and help coming alongside them and being so compassionate and so loving because I've done this walk. I've done the breast cancer walk, and I've done a grief walk. And there's a lot of grief with breast cancer. Mhm. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing, and I, th- I think that, do you think, though, it's important to, and I think you mentioned this, that everyone has their own grief path, that it's important that you, do you think you have to get to a certain level of stability before you're ready to start getting out there and helping? I mean, you have to go through that through that process. Oh, yeah. My worst, my worst loss ever was when my my dad died when I was only 16, and it took me like 25 years to finally, you know, yeah. really finally start to feel, um, you know, differently, really to heal from that. But it really came yeah. from the exact thing you're talking about, though, to stop stop thinking about myself so much and start putting effort into helping other people. And I found that to be just a wonderful anecdote for any ailment that you have, you know, whether whether it's yep. anything that has us thinking about ourselves too much because, you know, it's good we have to take care of ourselves and think of ourselves, but too much thinking about ourselves is just not always a great thing for us because we tend to focus on our poor me, why did this happen to me? Yep. And I'm sure you went through all of that um, yep. too. And how did you get out of that, kind of that mindset of why does this always happen to me? Why Or, you know, why why me, God? Why me? Well, you know, my brother lost his son the same year I lost Casey, and Trent was only 21 years old. And, you know, one day sitting at the coffee bar with my brother, my brother said, you know, all the times that we've watched TV and all these parents over many, many years who've lost a child, we've said, wow, that's real sad. But then we just went on about our lives. Mm -hmm. And I said, so why us? Why did we have to go through this? And his exact words to me were, why would we be exempt? Why do you think we should be exempt? This Mm -hmm. happens to thousands of people. Every day, every year, they have to go through this. So for me... It, it it was a long journey of grief, 
But I'll tell you, I'm never going to be over the loss of my beloved Casey. Think mm-hmm. about him every single day. Mm-hmm. And also think about who that person was that I was before I lost Casey and had to go through breast cancer. I kind of liked that person who who I was before, but I love the person that I am now. Because I realize that none of us are going to heaven with a U-Haul full of treasures, houses, BMWs, and a big old truckload of money. None of us. Mm -hmm. We are leaving a legacy right here on earth. And what is it that we're going to leave on earth? Because no one's going to stand up at my funeral and say, you know that, Deb, she works 60 hours a week because no one cares. But Mm -hmm. they do care Mm -hmm. about how many people I've helped. And it sure feels good to be in that position of knowing that I'm making a difference and helping other people. Yeah, and it just feels amazing, doesn't it? So, uh, Alyssa, what 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 are you thinking over there? Yeah, so well, I have a, a friend um, who just lost her daughter. She it was a it was a tragic. Uh, actually, she she um, had a, an undiagnosed heart defect and um, got her wisdom teeth pulled out, and then actually. Passed away. It was. It was. Yeah. It was really sad. And so I was curious about. Yeah. And thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing everything that you've gone through because that is uh, that is a lot to to share. And I know it can't be easy. I. But I was just wondering on the retreats that you do for for parents that have lost a child. Tell us a little bit more about that. I'm just curious how that works. Or well. Well, well, how that works is I don't know dad grief. I don't know sibling grief. I do know mom grief because I've gone through mom grief. So mm-hmm. I have normally six uh, moms times two retreats a year, and we tell our story. But, you know, there's a lot of pet peeves that go along with the mom grief, such as the person who says, Oh, well, they're in a better place. Well, I can guarantee mm-hmm. you that every mother who's lost a child will say, no, no, the best place is right here on earth with me. And mm-hmm. another pet peeve that a mom will share is they say, you know, what about the person who says, oh, well, do you have more children? Well, you don't replace them. And mm-hmm. really... What does that have to do with the loss of a child, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. But what I coach the most that's so helpful is there are no words, because trust me, there are no words for you. If you've not gone through this this journey of the loss of a child, there's no words for you to say, but presence speaks volume. Mm-hmm. You don't ask if you can come over. You say, I'm in your neighborhood. I'm going to stop by. And mm-hmm. you do. And your presence is huge. And after the service, celebration of life or funeral, and after they've lost, left the card in the basket and sent the flowers, it's what they do next. 
Do they not know what to say so they don't call? Presence. Mm-hmm. Presence. Be there. Were you there? Because a lot of people did not know what to do or say for me, so they didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And and it was lonely. Real, mm-hmm. real lonely. Yeah. Hmm. Well, thanks for sharing that. You know, it is hard as a friend to know what to do and yeah. and, and yes. what to say. And, yeah, so thanks for sharing that. You know, the most valuable gift I ever got and received from Casey's death was a sympathy card that was handwritten, and it had a hanky in it. Because I'm telling you what, Kleenex doesn't work for the loss of of this beloved boy of mine. But Mm -hmm. Kleenex, I never go anywhere without my hanky in my purse. And I can tell you, honestly, I've never sent out another sympathy card without a hanky in it. So Mm -hmm. your friend, you could send her a hanky and just say, there are no words, but I think about you every day. And I'm so sorry for your loss. And I'm mm. telling you, a hanky speaks volumes. That's a really nice idea. Where does one purchase a hanky these days? On the Anywhere. Side? <clears throat> you know, I am quite the junk girl hunter. Okay. And I go to vintage shops, and they all okay. have beautiful, beautiful okay. hankies. Touch okay. that hanky. Make sure that you know that when... She puts that hanky up to dry her eyes and dry her nose that that hanky is going to wash up and it's going to be so soft and so nice. And I'm telling you, she will never go anywhere without that hanky. And she will think of you. She will think of you with your thoughtfulness because now she knows that you do get just a tiny bit of knowledge about the big crocodile tears that we actually shed over the loss of our boys or our children in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, yeah. so I, I have a couple questions for you, kind of changing the changing the subject a little bit. I, I have, um, I'm wondering about, you know, starting a nonprofit. I mean, that's a big undertaking. So you were going through oh. a lot of grief, and then, you know, I think a lot of people maybe – want to do this, they want to start a nonprofit based on something that they're passionate about but don't even know where to begin. So I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about your journey there. I know we don't have a ton of time, but I would love to hear kind of how you um, went about that or, you know, were inspired to do that. Well, a nonprofit, get your friends involved and get your friends that are paper-oriented involved find a friend who has a friend who is an attorney because I'm telling you what, the IRS makes you jump through a bunch, a bunch of hoops. It's all on the Internet. Start with a good printer that's going to start printing tons and tons and tons and tons of paper. And then you sit tight once you get all the paper Cross the T's, dotted the I's, have the attorney look at it before you ever send it in. Because if there's one dot that's not there or one T that's not crossed, 
when that pile finally gets to the top of the IRS desk, which took us two years, mm-hmm. when they start going through it, <clears throat> it better check out absolutely perfect because if it doesn't, it'll be rejected and you'll have to go back through the process and then it'll take you at least two years more to get your 501. It's very, very intense, <clears throat> but trust me, it's been very worth it. I'm telling you what, I have amazing, amazing friends who said to me, Deb, we are going to start a nonprofit. We are going to start making a difference in other people's lives. You are testimonial of strength and inspiration. We're doing this. And I'll tell you what, my friends hold me so tight with their arms wrapped around me. And sometimes I get a little frustrated and get a little bit with not knowing, you know, are we doing the right thing? And they always are standing by saying, yes, we are. Oh, yes, Mm -hmm. we are. And they're all there. My friends are on the board of directors. They believe in it. They love what we're doing. And I'll tell you, that is key. Key, key, key is the people that you surround yourself with. Yeah, it's okay. So it's not something to do lightheartedly, that's for sure. I mean, it's a huge commitment, and um, you recommend an attorney, and then you've got to have some people on your board of directors that are going to stand by you long term. I think that's what I'm hearing, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. I have seven people on my board of directors, and I have an HR person that we consult with. We have an attorney that we consult with. We have a CPA that we consult with. They're not on our board of directors, but each one of those individuals are friends of mine or someone on my board of directors. They say they don't want the time commitment, but they will consult with us with anything we need, and they never charge us. It's all pro bono. That is huge, huge, Mm -hmm. huge. Yeah, Mm -hmm. It is. All right. We are already we are already uh, up on our up, up on our time here and I want to make sure, Deb, that you have a chance to let people know how they can get in touch with you. What's the best way for people to or to find out more about you? What what's the best uh place where should they how can they find you? Well, my book is on Amazon dot com, Tug at My Heart. My non profit is called Pink dot com. Pink Sisters uh, yep, I said .com. My speaking career is under inspirationaldebhart.com. And my phone number, 503-901-7900. I would love to hear from any of your listeners. I'm always trying to network. We would love to have retreats come from out of state. So we can build them, customize them however you want them. I can meet you at Portland Airport and pick you up, take you to the retreat, which is only an hour and 40 minutes, Portland, up in central Oregon, where the sun always shines. We only do the retreats May through October. My last retreat will be this weekend. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. 
Wonderful. Well, we'll put, we'll make sure we'll get those links out on our web on our uh, on our social media as well. So go check out Deb. She really we appreciate you coming on and telling your story. We know that isn't um, uh, always easy easy stuff to share, but we thank you so much for sharing your gift and turning that around into a way to help other people who are going through a similar circumstance. Because there are a lot of people going through stuff like that, and I know it can feel very lonely. Uh, so we appreciate your sharing your experience, strength, and hope and your wisdom and guidance for everyone else, and we wish you the best of luck with all of your endeavors. Thank you. So can I go on Facebook page and be able to share our yes. conversation? Yes. Okay, yes. great. That, go, out to our, go, out to our, go out to our Facebook page at The Focus Radio. You can yes. find that, and there's a link to the show. And then feel free to share that, and then you can put your uh, add your website address and contact info as well. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you, Deb, and you have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, I hope so. All right. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. Welcome. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. That was a that was a a, a great conversation with Deb. Something a little bit different than what we normally talk about, but you know what? We also have to talk about the things that happen in life too, right? So we say focus mm-hmm. on our business and focus on our goals, and we're moving forward. And uh, stuff happens, life happens, and how do we how do we cope and how do we deal? And so every now and then, it's wonderful to have a good message like that from somebody who has who has survived it. So we thank you all so much for joining in, for tuning in, for listening in. We hope that you will continue to listen to us and follow us at The Focus Radio. And until next time, Alyssa. Stay focused.